from the Three Story Method Podcast Network. This is the Serial Fiction Show. I'm Christine Daigle. And I'm J.P. Reinbush. Welcome to the Reader's Serial Fiction Show. Today, we've got a story by Tirza M.M. Hawkins called Dark. Overnight, most of the human population is wiped out by creatures that survive in the dark. Don't turn out your lights. Tirza M.M. Hawkins is an author of all things dark, including horror, fantasy, and snippets of sci-fi. She began writing stories when she was 10 years old. Some of her favorites at that age were The Hobbit and The Chronicles of Narnia. After watching too many horror movies at a young age, she had only recently been able to start sleeping with her feet uncovered at night. She lives with her husband and their many fur and feathered babies, including at any given time, dogs, cats, horses, goats, pigs that have happy lives until they are eaten, and chickens who are only around for eggs. Her favorite hobbies are reading, writing, researching, school. She currently is board certified as a holistic health practitioner and is enrolled in a doctorate of natural medicine program, singing, and listening to music. And now, A Sample of Dark, Episode 1. Prepare for landing, bitches, Jake announces flatly over the plane's intercom. The words settle in my stomach like a painful knot that twists and heightens the nausea I feel from my motion sickness. The last call has been too long in coming, and now I fear it is too late. We've already landed today, at first light, like we always do, but we were unable to fuel I still haven't gotten a clear answer from Jake or Willis as to why. Something about the knobs being corroded off. They'd spent about an hour trying to jimmy-rig another way to fuel when Willis made the call, before we wasted too much daylight. We're going to another airport, he called out, his voice loud and authoritative enough to break through the rising panic. Inability to fuel the plane is not an option. Our lives depend on it. Two months ago, I would have found Willis maddeningly attractive. What 16-year-old doesn't have a thing for the Denzel Washington type? Tall, dark, muscular, and handsome, with numerous war scars and a deep, strong voice. As it is now, I view Willis as a means to my survival and someone else to help me keep my little sister safe. He knows things about planes, mechanics, and engines that I don't. Hence, he is valuable to me. I step into the cockpit, my own map book in hand, as Jake looks through the notes on his kneeboard. How about Las Vegas, he asks, looking at Willis in the co-pilot chair for approval. East. I don't want to go east. Not yet. Not until the plane is full of fuel and the day is turning to dusk the same as we have been doing for the past six weeks. We've settled into a pattern of visiting the same 11 airports for refueling. It kept things efficient when you knew where the refueling trucks were that the group had already hotwired. Every week or two, we would add a new airport. New airports were helpful for reminding you to stay alert when refueling or doing supply runs. Each one had new shadows to pay attention to. 
It was the shadows that had killed Julie, or the things in the shadows, rather. The things which could only survive in the shadows. There was only the slightest hesitation from the group when Willis made his statement that we took as a command. No one argues or questions when Willis or Jake tells you what to do. Willis knows how to fuel the plane. Jake knows how to fly it. That is all our survival is based on right now. I credit them for the fact that my sister and I are still alive. We narrowly survived the week before we met them. My little sister Courtney is the only one I know from before who is still living. We've been there just as many times as we've been here, Willis rationalizes. Who's to say the same thing hasn't happened there? I don't like the risk. We've never marked this airport empty, I mutter. Maybe a little too loudly, considering the cockpit door behind me is still open. Jake, Willis, and I each keep our own map records of what airports we've been to and what supplies are still there. We stick to the larger airports that have enough room for Jake to land the 737. It's a big plane, but it holds enough fuel with some to spare to get us through the night. I'm making my notes on my map as the plane descends, and my stomach does a roll in my belly. Even before all this, I never liked flying. It always made me sick. If we're lucky, we'll survive this, I think to myself. There is no way LAX could be out of fuel because of us. Just one plane every week or so. Willis said it wasn't a fuel problem. It was mechanical. Did someone sabotage us? The thought of finding other people alive is always at the forefront of our minds. But after weeks of meeting no one new, the chances are getting slimmer each day. Unless they were doing the same thing we were. How could we be the only ones with this idea? We had tried leaving messages for others, letting them know when we would be back. Sometimes the signs and words we left would be smeared with brown slime or altogether destroyed. But never were there any clues that other humans had seen them. We, in this plane, are the lucky ones. We have Jake and Willis. Without them, I'm sure we would all be dead. A shiver runs down my spine, breaking my arms and legs into goosebumps. In that instant, I am back in my house, the night that they came. I'm in the downstairs bathroom with Courtney. She sits on the closed toilet lid, hugging herself while I brace the door alone. It's just a half bath, and that might be the only reason we survived the night. My upper body is against the door, keeping it closed, because the first crash into it from the other side had broken something, and it no longer latched. My feet are against the wall across from me, only 30 inches from the door. I remember Courtney crying uncontrollably, screaming each time whatever is on the other side rattles the door again. My body is soaked in sweat from the fear, adrenaline, and exertion. I pull myself out of my daymare. I visited that night often enough in my sleep that I wish I could forget it during the day. In my dreams, I remember every little detail from the soft scraping sound, like an amplified noise of a snake slithering across sand to the way they smelled. 
This plane is one of the few places left that doesn't smell like them. Even that is changing as we bring items from the outside world aboard. Everything seems tainted with the warm, musty, almost wet dog smell of them. It's a smell that gets stuck in your nostrils and makes your heart stop when you even imagine a whiff of it. My stomach lurches as the plane's tires touch the tarmac. I'm mostly used to the plane's motions by now and the accompanying motion sickness, having spent half or more of every day in the air. Even though I hide it well for Courtney's sake, it's the thought of leaving the safety of this metal shell that still upsets me. It's been 43 days since anyone new has joined our group, but only nine since we lost someone. The death that haunts me the most, though, was Julie. I was with her when they took her. Her face is the one I see the most in my recent dreams. All it takes is a shadow. Hey, Christine. Hey, JP. Let's talk about ProRidegate. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, cool. So there is this thing. Uh, It's one of like the more common things of improving style and strength with your writing. And I find this to be like the most useful because when I am both first drafting and even like after the second or third, like sometimes I'm not as, I'm not going to say confident in my writing, but I'm a blabbermouth. I blabber a lot. Uh, And so I will say things like someone managed to do something or like I will add in these like weird little filler things when really let's say, you know, it's managed to complete. It just needs to be completed. Um, And it's really nice having an AI tool point this out and being like, hey, JP, maybe you could not do what you're doing. (laughs) And I would be like, you are right. That would be a great idea. Um, And so I love this AI tool. It's fantastic. It's pointed it out so many times that at this point, um, I like will think that in my head. I'll be like, they managed to do something or like they're going to do something. And I'm like, no, they're doing it right now. So just stop with the whole like, preamble and let's just get that one word that we really want to write down um so it's been improving my writing and i enjoy that yeah i i use the same um filter it you know it's it's become into like intuitive now i guess i catch it myself and Mm -hmm. i've got to began to or started to or even or all those words that you don't need and i'm like yeah and it makes your writing so much stronger when you're not trying to help it with all these little (laughs) filler words so yeah i totally recommend that that tool, that report, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's it's strange going through it uh, and correcting it and then reading it and like seeing the confidence that you had in your head, but you didn't have when you were writing it. Um, and it's almost like uh, removing those pieces make it stronger in the text. And it's not your voice, really. It doesn't really alter your voice. It doesn't change it too much. Um, it, it's clearing it up and making it more concise, uh, yep. which I enjoy. Exactly. So, Be straightforward with your writing. Mm-hmm, do that. Uh, and if you need the help, why don't you check out ProWritingAid.com, uh, Serial20, S-E-R-I-A-L-20, to get 20% off. Do it. So JP, let's talk about LaterPress. So LaterPress is a platform built to help authors uh, declare their independence. It lets authors create digital books and sell them directly to their readers through their own branded website. And there are new things uh, coming to the platform every day in terms of discoverability and new features. It's pretty awesome. 
Yeah. So I actually, I put nerds on later press and it was a really easy and really fast uh, process, which was pretty cool. And one of the cool things was you can put a collection and then you can put your, uh, like we put nerds in the collection uh, so that ideally if we do any spinoffs or if we do any like season two or like specifying those pieces, you can put those books in the collection, which yeah. is really nice. And it's a really nice way of like hierarchical, hierarchical uh, pieces to it, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it basically gives you your own website. Ours is nrds.laterpress.com. And you just direct your readers straight there and they see nerds. It, it doesn't get blocked by anything else. There are no ads in the way. There are no, like nothing. It's just straight up nerds content for your readers to get straight to reading, uh, which is uh, different than some other platforms, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And I did the same thing, um, although I uploaded uh, all of my books to a collection just so I had one place you know, to, to direct mm-hmm. readers. And so I have Molecule Thief, Dark is Away, and the Steampunk Emerald Key is up there. So it's one link. People can see all your books and you can order them whatever way you want, uh, you know, or your yeah. cereals. You can put cereals up as well. And uh, yeah, and you can do it on a subscription model or pay per book. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, which was a, a really cool. Yeah, yeah, the pricing thing was pretty cool. Figuring out uh, either doing per book or some type of a subscription model, uh, just to kind of give your readers different abilities to uh, support you. Because some people really like the, you know, it's basically like a Patreon, but yep. you just get content to read. And the cut is just 5%. Yeah. So test it out. Try it out. Yeah. Laterpress.com. See you later, press. Okay. So we have a small group flying around in a plane, trying to stay alive and out of the dark. What inspired you to write this serial? Um, so I am, from since I was a small child, I was terrified of the dark. Part of that, we I grew up out in the country. We had coyotes that were around that we would hear killing the neighbor's sheep at night. Like you're lying awake knowing that a sheep is being hunted and killed. So I couldn't for a long time even, uh, I'd have to sleep with my feet covered. I've only been able to sleep with my feet uncovered for about three or four years now. So it's just my own general fear of the dark. And you try to convince yourself, well, what are you really afraid of? There's nothing scary out there. But it's like, but what if there is? Definitely. Yeah, I I love the uh, feet being uncovered. Well, I can't uncover my feet. No way. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I always have this like terrified fear of like pale hands reaching out from under the bed. It's, yep. (laughs) Anyway. If something is under your feet, under your bed, it will go for your feet first. So yes, Mm -hmm. better to keep them covered. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, which character are you excited for readers to read about and why? You know, I really love Julie. I want people to fall in love with Julie, really get to like her as a character, even though she doesn't have children. She's a very motherly character. But we know from episode one that Julie is dead. So I want you to fall in love with the character that I that I killed. I like setting up things where I tell you up front, hey, this is what is going to happen. 
and then make you agonize over when and how it does. I love that. And I think that's such a good, great um, strategy to use for horror. So I want to know what's one thing about this story you want listeners to know or to be excited about? Uh, everything that has to do with the plane has been so well thought out and talked out with my husband. My husband is a huge airplane fanatic. He watches videos about airplanes. He builds his own model airplanes. He has a flight simulator on his computer. And so anytime I'm like, okay, I need help with this part of the airplane thing. Like it's like an hour long discussion where we sit and we like hash it out. Like, okay, how can we keep this as accurate to aviation as possible? I love that. That's uh, really nice to have that resource right there. What is your favorite horror trope? You know, the, the apocalypse ones are just so great. I'm a huge zombie, vampire, end of the world. My favorite part of the um, any of that apocalyptic one is when the stuff is going wrong. I don't want to read about the rebuilding after that a lot of uh, stories will pick up on. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, this atomic bomb hit the world 10 years ago and now people are rebuilding. It's like, no, give me that stuff that happened when the bomb actually hit. That's what I want is, and I don't feel like that's done enough. We're always with the survivor several years later. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, so in your world, I'm curious, what went into constructing your creatures? What did that look like for you? I really don't have them fleshed out yet. I get all of these questions of like, what are these creatures? Where did they come from? And I'm still discovering that with the characters. Um, so it really was just, what is the, what is the creepiest way to do this? Um, they do have their their rules, like um, so physical barriers are still um, an issue for them, especially, you know, we have the bathroom scene very early on, um, you know, this crazy odor that they leave behind that I want you to feel get stuck in your nose as you're reading it. So I'm still fleshing out the care, the creatures because um when I get a story idea, I get the beginning and I get the ending. So Dark is hopefully going to be hundreds of episodes. It's going to be multiple seasons, but I know what the very last scene is going to look like. So the in-between is typically always a surprise for me. So you mentioned that you like uh, the moments in horror when you're kind of like in the apocalypse or when that ending is happening. I'm curious, what are some of your favorite movies and books of the horror genre that's inspired Dark? I always go back to The Walking Dead uh, and also Stephen King's The Stand, where we've got all of these people coming together. They all have their own stories. So sharing each person's backstory, make sure it's different enough. How did how did these people legitimately survive on their own and know to leave their lights on for one thing for however many days that they are by themselves? So, yeah, um, I'm rereading The Stand by Stephen King with my husband and just love how he brings all of these characters together. 
Um, and then, you know, the same thing with the walking dead. Awesome. Now you say in your bio that you watched too many horror movies at a young age. Do you remember your first horror movie? Yeah, my first horror movie, my grandmother died when I was young, um, eight, nine. And she had this, I look back now and I can call it amazing. When I was nine years old, it was very terrifying and horrific collection of all of the old horror movies. So one of the very first ones, it was Nosferatu, A Silent Symphony. And so the, you have the words on the screen and the music playing. And I remember sitting on the floor next to the couch, watching it with my mom and my older sister. And my mom did the voices. And so she'd all be like, I want to suck your blood. <laughs> and I'm sitting there just terrified. So yeah, she had the original, my grandma had the original Psycho, the original Fly, Dracula, Mummy, Frankenstein. So we worked through that collection. I saw all of those 50s, 60s movies at a very young age. I love that. Uh, yeah, my I remember my family also was really into horror movies, and I know that I watched The Exorcist and Silence of the Lambs well before I should have. <laughs> uh, but I wouldn't be as creepy as I am now. Um, so I'm curious, uh, have you had any audience feedback or participation with this story? Um, the latest one, it's great that um, now we have the option on the platform to offer polls for people. Um, I mean, the feedback I keep getting is when's the next episode? This is amazing. Um, it was funny because somebody had commented, uh, they were at a certain length and they're like, oh my gosh, this character must be saved at all costs. And then I killed him in the next one. I was like, oh man, you just read one more. You're going to hate me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's literally been just write more, write faster. When is it coming out? I did have recent feedback from someone today, uh, cause season one finale just went live yesterday and, I had pulled them, how long would you like this to go? Because, you know, do you want just a few seasons where they're just fast and exciting? Do you want a longer drawn out story? And she said, you can't ever end this. <laughs> well, that's great <laughs> feedback to get. I like that. So you have a lot of serials on Vela right now. Um, what are you planning to explore that you haven't yet or that you want to? Uh, the one story, so I keep telling myself once I get ahead in publishing these episodes, then I can start this new story kind of as my reward. Um, so I haven't written anything yet with um, vampires, and that's a desire, the vampire werewolf. So I have one planned um, that I have all of these characters just came to me. They're like, OK, you got to create a story for us. And so it has um, it has all of them now. So it's got a vampire, a werewolf, a witch, a half giant. Um, yeah, so it's just a fae. And then there will be a human thrown into that mix of, of characters. So yeah, getting into some dark fantasy characters. Excellent. I love that. As a final question, what do you like most about writing serial fiction? I really like um, 
being able to put it back. I have a lot of reader interaction. So being able to put it out there and to have readers come tell me what they like, which stories are their favorites. So that's been very rewarding because writing a novel is a lonely job. You sit there, you slave over however many tens of thousands of words all on your own, wishing that somebody could just be reading it already. And so with the serial format, it's great because you get to interact and bring these people along on the journey with you rather than just feeling alone. Yeah, I agree 100%. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with us. Yes, Thank you. It's a pleasure. Our thanks today to Tirza M.M. Hawkins for letting us share their episode. If you liked it, you can read the first three episodes free on Kindle Vella. The link is in the show notes. And And that's a wrap. wrap. I really want to watch some of those older horror movies. I just need to get my hands on them or find out where they're streaming. I did a TikTok that like compared my cat to that Nosferatu movie because she's like a vampire. I use that and he's like, and he's got the creepy teeth. Who was that that played that? Do I remember? I don't remember. Someone who was alive a long time ago. Someone who was alive, <laughs> very old. Yeah, the the fly was one of the worst ones for me because I am horribly arachnophobic horribly Mm. and so that that ending and yeah (laughs) so you didn't watch arachnophobia then (laughs) no i have i've seen it many like probably 10 or 12 times yeah it's kind of cute for a horror movie i don't know if like is it horror i don't know i thought it was kind of (laughs) cute you mean arachnophobia yeah i thought it was kind of cute yeah yeah. i don't know if that was horror spiders ready yeah yeah they're just adorable take one home that's right yeah who who doesn't want to arachnid in their home, the giant one. <laughs> <laughs>